Hey, 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 this is Sarah Longacre, birth doula since 2000, owner of Bluma, and lover of a good cocktail and great conversation. I got two stools, a full bar, and loads of great people lined up to pull back the curtain with real life conversation. So let's dive deep and belly up to the bar. Hello, and welcome to Belly Up. Today, I have a very, very special guest talking about a very important and powerful topic. Emily Riker is with me today. Emily and I met about a year and a half ago when she came to my pregnancy loss group. Emily, just like myself, experienced a second trimester loss. Luckily, I was able to be Emily's doula for her second birth this past March, a healthy, strong baby boy, Bodhi. But today, Emily is here to share her story of her loss. Some of the subjects that we will be talking about today are controversial. Some of them are hard to hear. So please do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Hey, 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 it's Sarah Longacre, your host of Belly Up. Today, my guest is the lover of food, the lover of a good non-hazy beer. True. So question right off the bat. I want to know, what do, you, what do you know about birth? I, what I know about birth is what I've experienced. So I've, yeah, I've experienced two very different births. Um, and so I know birth as it relates to loss, uh, and I know birth as it relates to my son, who is here with us today. And tell me about sphincter muscles and anuses <laughs> and having uh, reconstructive surgery when you have a fourth-degree tear. I, and then you can introduce yourself. <laughs> great. No, that's an introduction that stands on its own. Um, yeah, I did not—that was not on my radar when my son Bodhi was born and— Yobi said, now we're going to take you to the OR. We need to do some stitching. We need to reconstruct your sphincter. Those were words I had never heard. You had heard like labor down and contractions and Mm -hmm. rhythm, but no one, including your doula or your childbirth educator, no one said reconstruct your sphincter. That's correct. Yes. 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 Emily, what do you do (laughs) from um, like passionate wise? I believe you have a a nine to five job that you I actually do. believe in and you and you love. Yes, I own a food blog. Um, uh, it's actually a food website. We've been doing a good job saying that we're not just a blog. Um, we own Fit Foodie Finds and we bring food to the masses, but we also talk about real stuff like reconstructed sphincter, sphincters and birth and anxiety and depression and what we're going to talk about today, abortion as well. So Absolutely. Let's go back how many years ago to you taking a pregnancy test and you realizing for the first time you were going to be a mom. I first got pregnant in the fall of 2019, which seems like so very, very long ago. Two years about. Yeah. And I was supposed to be due in August of 2020. Yeah. We had like a typically developing pregnancy. I was super nauseous in the beginning, which everyone said was... Correct. And once I got past that 12-week mark of, 
now your miscarriage rate just has a steep decline and everything's good and you've made it this far. You're going to have a typically developing pregnancy. You're going to have a healthy baby. Did you have a connection to your baby? Yeah, I knew she was a girl. We didn't we didn't find out um, until the 20-week anatomy scan when we actually found out it was all going to be over. Can we start can we start there that yeah. morning? You're driving to an anatomy scan and like on Friday the 13th. Oh. So, so you're driving there you're like, "We are going to go get our anatomy scan yep. and we're going to find out if this is a boy or a girl. I know it's a girl, but we're going to find out." Yeah, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, it was my first, like, full anatomy scan. I knew we'd get measurements and we'd be able to see great photos of her and kind of check out and make sure she had all of her parts. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just have to pause because two days later was the shutdown. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, also that. So you go in and walk me through what the experience was and how. We go in, I mean, Bryce and I each took a couple hours off of work. We were like, this is going to take a little bit longer, but then we'll go on our day. It was the first appointment in the morning, and we got in there, and ultrasound tech is, like, starting at our baby girl's feet and showing us feet and legs and measuring the femur and doing all of those important measurements, um, and then tells us she is, in fact, a girl. Um, So I remember tearing up, and then she spent – a lot of time around the heart and got really quiet. And you can just feel somebody Been in there. a room like that. Um, and then she got up to her head and she turned everything off and said, I think I'm seeing something. I need to go consult with the physician. I will be back. And so she left the room, which felt like hours. It felt like she was gone forever. And during that time, I was like, something's wrong. Like, something's really wrong. And soon after, the OB came in with a genetic counselor, which I was like, this can't be good. And we learned what anencephaly was. Um, And it's a severe neural tube defect. Uh, There is no cure. There is no treatment. And essentially, um, early, early in pregnancy, before the neural tube fuses, uh, our baby girls, the top of her brainstem didn't fuse. And so she didn't have any brain development above her brainstem. Uh, And because of that, her skull didn't form correctly. And these babies don't survive outside the womb. Um, But, but like, period. Period. When when I had a very, 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 like, I'm I'm parallel almost to a T. Yeah. I remembered, I don't know if your obstetrician said this too. He said, Sarah, the silver lining actually, though, is, is that, most people that I sit in here with, I say, your daughter might have a chance to survive seven days, seven weeks, seven months, seven years, 17 years, 27 years. We don't know. Yeah. And your silver lining, if this feels like it lands in you, my silver lining was that Sophia Love had no chance of surviving outside the womb. Yeah. Her heartbeat was beating because mine was beating. Yeah. And the water that was around her brain wasn't going to make it feasible to have a life outside the womb. Yep. So you hear this. Yep. Does that make, did that at all make it a little easier for you? I mean, it wasn't like. I think in that moment, the, like the words that I kept playing over and over again was incompatible with life. Yeah. They kept saying her diagnosis is incompatible with life. Mm -hmm. She is incompatible with life. And I truly just blacked out, like as that happened. 
but yeah, it, ma- it made my quote decision that I, that had to be made next um, easier because we did know, and it's not so black and white for lots of people. Most most often, it's not black and white. Exactly. Most often, there's a gray area, or there's only so much you can see in an ultrasound. There's only so much you can see with a blood draw or a genetic testing. And um, look how far we have come. Exactly. Yeah. And there's only so much you can see until a baby is earth side and out of your body. Mm-hmm. So the decision was put on the table for what? Because many people take different paths when they, it's Friday morning, it's let's say 11 o'clock noon maybe, yep. and you have a decision in front of you to do X, Y, and Z. Yep. So because of the abortion legislation in the state of Minnesota, our, our decisions were terminate the pregnancy through a surgical procedure called a d or induce delivery um, and try to deliver deliver vaginally, which is also considered a second trimester abortion as it is concerning to Minnesota legislation as well as insurance. Did they use the word abortion that day? My OB was amazing. I mean, she she was incredible and was speaking to me with this tender language, understanding the position that I was in. I have to now. I just have to kind of guess because you said my OB was amazing. She used tender language, and so in my mind, I'm thinking so that means she didn't use the word abortion, or she used it. She gently used it gently. She used it in terms of like these these are the words we have to use to to help you make these next steps. Wow. So because of the severity of our baby girl's anencephaly, she was essentially bleeding out into the womb. Um, And they did amniocentesis that day when I was there just to get a better read on what the amniotic fluid looked like. And the fluid that she drew out was like completely blood. No. Yeah. The tears were already coming at this point, but did that go to a whole nother level? Yeah. And so when she saw that, she said, it's... It's ultimately your choice, um, but it's not medically recommended for you to have a vaginal birth just because I know she's bleeding out into the womb right now and your chance of infection is very high because there is infection inside of there. So for the for our listeners, it's do you go home, wrap your head around this, or the other option is we need to do a surgical p- procedure and very the difference, you know, I was given this choice on a Tuesday morning and I decided to go home, spend quite a few days at home. Mm -hmm. um, And he said, I can't suggest, I can't recommend you stay pregnant for more than two weeks Mm -hmm. because you have a chance of cancer. Both of us have high risks, our own life. And yet there's different ways that you could do it. Did they give you time to pause or were you just like, I want to be done. I want to be done. Like, tell tell me more about the emotional state of. So uh, you can't be, you can't be done in the state of Minnesota currently, which is really unfortunate and not in any way, shape or form in the best interest of the woman who is carrying this child. Um, In the state of Minnesota, you have to wait 24 hours and this legislation is in place Primarily from male legislators as a way for you to, quote, think about your decision to make sure that you're making the right decision for you, really thinking about the fact that you're terminating a life. Um, for second term. Correct. Yeah. So where where in this legislation is there not also a section of, and if we know that your child's life is not viable yep. outside of the womb— 
There's not. There's no freaking asterisks there? There's no... No. And because because this was a Friday morning, I had to wait a full 24 hours, which took us to Saturday morning. And the clinic is not... The hospital I was going to did not do operations over the weekend. So then that put me all the way to Monday, um, which put me at even greater risk of infection. So because of that... Yeah, I had I had to make a decision, but nothing could be scheduled or done until that next Monday. Additionally, um, I had to sign this paperwork after uh, my OB read it aloud to me, and this is called uh, informed consent, which is kind of funny. But it it lists all of these bullets of what the risk of abortion is, and on that list is this increases your risk of breast cancer. Um, it it lists that your fetus will feel pain, that you are terminating a life. There's pretty harsh language on here. And again, this is to dissuade you from taking these next steps to have an abortion. And I think... For something that your own life... Correct. Yeah. ...can yeah. be harmed. So this is just interesting. So you learned this on Friday. Yeah. When I left my, my ultrasound on a Tuesday... I didn't go back into the clinic until Friday to fill out the paperwork. And I literally— So then that puts you that much further back, too. Because once you sign the paperwork, it's, it has to be 24 hours past that, too. Well, that, that's right, because then I went on Saturday. Yeah. So I look at the paper, and I'm like, oh, no, this isn't for me. And yeah. He's like, what? I'm like, <laughs> it says abortion. Yeah. That, I'm not having an abortion. Right. I am I'm giving birth. Giving birth to my baby. Correct. My yeah. daughter who doesn't have a chance. And if she stays in me, my life is at risk. Yeah. Now, they told me I was 99% sure I couldn't get cancer because they'll give me this pill. I don't care. The word abortion really, mm-hmm. really triggered me. Yeah. And this is where I've learned a lot from you because I feel like I've had to soften and think now about how we get our stories out. Yep. So you sign the paperwork on Friday. Mm-hmm. You leave, and in your head, does the word abortion float around in your head, or is that just like, no, I'm just mourning the loss of my daughter? No, I was just angry. I was, I was angry. I, I've always believed that women have a right to their bodies and that choice is something that women should always have. But I, was, I never thought I would be in a position— and that's my privilege, but I, I never thought I would be in a position to have an abortion. If Bryce and I got pregnant before we wanted to, we would welcome that baby into our family. But I've, I, I've never been a victim of incest or rape. I've never been in a marginalized population that couldn't afford to have a baby. I've never been these—I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why people terminate pregnancies, and that's, that's all okay— but this was a wanted pregnancy, and that felt triggering. Like, God, that felt I used very those different. Words. I used those words. I was like, no, no, no. I wanted this pregnancy. Yeah. Like, that That was, for me, the language that didn't click. Yeah. And I think people, myself included, until it happened to me, people don't realize that, like, these, these are also reasons for abortion. These are also why, reasons why women should have rights to their body and choice, especially when it comes to medical care. People, people don't understand that this can happen to you. Like, I could have been super religious, right, pro-life, whoever down the street, and this could have still happened to me. All right, so you go home on a Friday night, and you probably got into fetal position. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, we called our families. Um, 
People brought us food. I cried myself to sleep. I woke up crying. It was horrible. horrible. I mean, and then I think. And, and she, I mean. And she was still there. And she's still in your belly. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this. Did I you don't feel know, her? Was, yeah. Was, I mean, we, I had not felt her kick in my pregnancy at that point. Mm-hmm. But she never was conscious during pregnancy yeah. because of her brain development. But yeah, I was in this limbo. Like she was still in my belly and I still wanted her there, but I wanted her not there and I wanted it to be over and I didn't want it to be over and I wanted it to end with a living baby and it just, none of that could happen. Um, Who were you angry at? All of it. Like I didn't think, I don't know. I You spend like a good chunk of your adulthood like trying to not get pregnant and then you want to get pregnant. Adulthood? <laughs> Honey, I started at 14. <laughs> And then you try to get pregnant, and you're like, this is going to be great. We'll try. We'll get pregnant. It'll be great. We'll have a live baby. Like, dead baby stuff was not even on my radar. Like, literally not on my radar. Let alone abortion. Let alone abortion. Yeah. 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 So you have a rough Sunday night, I'm guessing, because there's a feeling of, I want this over with, and yet I don't want to give birth, and how do I feel close to her? Yeah. You go in. Well, I was far enough along where it had to be a two-day procedure, so they had to put dilators um, in my cervix on the first day, uh, and then sent me home. And those expanded over 24 hours. And did you cramp? Were you? Yeah, started cramping, um, and then took a pill on the way to the hospital the next morning that induced contractions. And then that was again like this is right when the shutdown was happening, and. Um, we checked in at the front desk in the hospital at like six in the morning and the security guard said, y- y- no guests, your husband can't come ah. up. And I was like, go fuck yourself. Excuse me. <laughs> no, <laughs> let me tell you. No. Um, and meanwhile, I'm like having labor contractions in the lobby and thinking about how these labor contractions mean that my pregnancy is almost over, but it's not going to end with like. Like, we went in as three, and we came out as two. And that's just not math I want for anyone at all. To walk down the hallway into the car is, you can't. And you're in labor and delivery. Like, people are happy there, and they have alive babies. And I gave birth in a room, Emily, where I have seen at least a dozen, dozen, two dozen babies, live babies. In the same room that I gave birth in. And <laughs> and I'm, I, I mean, my birth, I, I say this very, very, very true. It's very, very true for me that the day that I birthed Sophia was one of the best days of my life because I have never felt that close to God. Yeah. I've never felt that close to divine spirit. Um, and you, you then leave and you leave a room where every mom I've ever seen come out has— yeah. As a different story. As someone in their arms. Yeah. And then you leave with empty arms. Yeah. Yeah, it's the worst grief I've ever felt in my life. And it's it's different now. It's not gone. But, yeah, it's not it's not an equation I'd want for anyone. Like, I would never wish this upon anyone. But I, at the same time, like, I talk – I still talk about this and you still talk about this because it's important – it's important for people to know, but it's also f- important for people to know that this is what abortion can look like. Well, and is that, so that's where I w- was going to say, I mean, so next, you are doing, you know, I my belief is that we were each put on this earth to do good work. Yeah. I hope. I That's that's my, what my belief is for Same. myself. Yep. And you now have 
a story that you can share and you are going to share it, Mm -hmm. but going into the laws. Yeah, my hope is that women have the right to choose and there should be no stipulation or red tape around that and lawmakers don't have a place in a women's uterus. That's that's my that's my personal opinion, and that's why I think it's important. I had a very supportive family and friend group through all of this, but not everyone does. And I think people are further stigmatized by by the laws that are put in place around abortion, and their often religious or political beliefs around why these are in place. Um, and I think it's not black and white. When you saw the news about Texas, what comes up for you? It was so triggering. I mean, we te- I remember texting you that day. I mean, you don't, you don't know you're pregnant at six weeks unless you're, like, really trying to get pregnant, first of all. Well, and, and even if you are trying, you sometimes you don't know. barely eating. know. Yeah. Yes. By the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. Right. And there's... Lots of genetic anomalies, most of them, in fact, that are not detectable before that six-week mark. So my story garnered additional interest around that time um, just as it came to light because that could have been me. If I was in the state of Texas when I needed the medical care that I did, I would have been denied by providers and I would have required enough privilege to drive across state lines and navigate the healthcare system and pay out of pocket for the medical care I needed to save my life. And that's unacceptable. How are lawmakers not seeing this piece? Why is this? And and do we I, just have to have two different names for what these are to, to, to make? I think they're just not seeing what they don't want to see. Like they, they really think, so as I was in this kind of few days of waiting to wait for my abortion with this with this daughter that I wanted to have alive with me on this earth. I was really deep. So I'm a research junkie. I was really deep into the statistics around abortion. And at least in the state of Minnesota, most abortions happen in the first trimester, not shocking. Very few, like 3% happen in the second trimester, of which we are both there. The third trimester abortions, which I think the pro-life contingent has this rhetoric around just women waltzing into a Planned Parenthood at 39 weeks and being like, just kidding, I don't want to be a mom. This like, isn't going to work for me. literally not happening. Like, you <laughs> cannot do that even in no. the state of Minnesota. No. And the women who are aborting babies in the third trimester, their life, their life is on the line. The baby can't survive outside the womb, and it happens very infrequently. This is like less than 1%. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very small minority, but I think there's then been this tale woven around that. And it's easy to get behind that. Like nobody nobody believes in that. Nobody wants women to waltz in and say like, just kidding, I have an infant. Can you kill it? Like no one wants that. So it's easy to have a campaign around that. What's not easy to talk about is things like what have happened to us. Like babies who can't survive outside the womb, wanted babies who can't live, uh, women who can't afford to have children, women who were raped by their fathers, traumatic, horrible things. And I think because of that, these have been put into law by people who are, are really uninformed. 
and have biases that are very far-reaching and they don't understand the consequences. At least I hope they don't understand the consequences of them. Because we're the majority. The people, the people who need abortions, lots of times it's because of medical necessity, especially in the second trimester. For the sake of this podcast, are you saying, I, like, I knew I had to go in and had an abortion? Or did you, did you change your language? Because la- language is a big thing because I never use that word. When I talk about Sophia, I, I, I truly say I birthed her. And I'm wondering, is that because I did have a vaginal birth and her body was, I held her. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a huge difference, yeah. you know, between you, what you and I experienced. And we don't, this might be, you know, too hard to go there. But I really talk about the birth of her. Did it feel not like that or? It felt so different um, yeah. than my birth with Bodhi. I think... It's, if anything, fueled the fire in me to talk more about this. Yeah, like we talked about earlier, I don't, I never saw myself as someone who would have an abortion until that was the only option I had. And because of that, I think this, it's not black and white and the language can't be because of that. So you being a dear friend and bellying up with me today, would you suggest that I start actually talking about Sophia to educate more people and say, I birthed my baby through an abortion or I had an abortion. I mean, do you think that that's important for me to say those words? Because that's never landed in me. Yeah. I think your story is whatever you want your story to be. And I don't I don't like using like, like my insurance paperwork when it came back, which by the way, it's more expensive to have an abortion in the second trimester than it is to like have a full-term vaginal birth with a reconstructed Do you know how, fought, how hard I fought? <laughs> I fought the hospital tooth and nail. I was like, oh, now you want me to pay for my abortion? Yeah. And see— Thousands upon thousands. I mean— Because uh, it was elective. Yeah. It's awful. No, it's not elective. I like, know. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's not. None of it's okay. None of it's okay. I think when I first heard the term abortion— as it in the same sentence as my daughter's life, it was horribly triggering and it felt awful and it felt not like my story. But if this, if talking about it like this helps me educate other people, specifically people who make these laws, around what abortion can look like, then that's worth it to me. That's what I needed to hear you say. And if that doesn't like resonate with you, that's okay. I don't. I'm. I'm not like Sarah should call her birth no, an abortion. I. I want to educate, and I think I feel more fired up than ever about it after meeting you because I really never thought of it like this. Yeah. But and I'm not a researcher, and I, I, I don't also look at criminal records. Ah, I do that too. Yeah. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Emily told me that she was like. I like to look up criminal. I'm like, what in the what? Yeah, police reports, criminal background checks. Yeah, you know, I just I like the information. So, Oh, I need a couple background <laughs> checks on some people. Let's talk after. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really appreciate the um, uh, permission, but I also want to educate. Yeah. I, I want to do better, and yeah. I, want, I want to tell that story, but I've never thought about using it in a, can I say political? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's nuances around that, too. Like, I think a lot of times I've been able to say, because um, I think I think people think that because I had a D&E, that's considered an abortion. But if I would have induced to deliver at 20 weeks, that would be considered a birth. And that's what I'm saying. And that's not the case. It's not the case. In terms of insurance and in terms of legislation, which is garbage. But... 
I think there's, yeah, there's this like ranking system of which is better or worse. And um, But you also didn't have the choice due yeah. to you were bleeding internally. Yeah, and like the medical recommendations of professionals. I wonder what Canada's like. Not this. <laughs> I can tell you. I don't know specifically, but I mean, and we're. I, I daydream about moving to Canada. I do Europe, as well. So, yeah, I do yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Minnesota is like pretty liberal in terms of abortion legislation, com- like comparatively to mm-hmm. our friends in Wisconsin next door and Texas down south is the most restrictive in the US. But yeah, it, it makes me nervous for women. I am going to ask something hard. Um, after you had the procedure, was she, did, do you have her remains? Did you leave? We had her cremated. Um, we have her footprints. Um, yeah, because, because she was removed from my body. Um, the way it works here, you're not able to see that baby, um, which is hard. Uh, I think it was the only option we have, but I still think about what what she would have looked like. I, I I mean, Bodie does stuff every day where I'm like, oh, that totally would have been her. I yeah. wonder if she would have done that too, you know? Oh, my God, Meta and I do it all the time. Meta's like, do you think she would have daddy's brown eyes yeah. like me? And, you know, yeah. and I did I did see her. I, um, gosh, I've never said this out loud. I was told in the ultrasound that she didn't have a nose. Yeah. And that her face was quite distorted. So um, when they brought her to me, I asked if they could have the hat over her face because yeah. um, I it's hard. I didn't want to remember that piece. Yeah, you know, and yeah. um, I wanted to see her vagina. I wanted she had six fingers in one hand and five in the other, and that's like my favorite piece. You yeah. know, so I did. I got to hold her, but I didn't. I the guilt that I feel that I didn't look at her eyes is yeah. like forever haunting me. Yeah. Forever. And we did the same. We cremated, and half of her is in Lake Harriet, one of our local Twin Cities lakes. And don't tell anybody, I'll probably get arrested. <laughs> God, now I'm going to go like fight legislation for where I put. <laughs> yeah, our baby girl's mom's, going up to mom's, the boundary waters exactly, at some point. So. Exactly. And my mom's ashes will go, will go partly in Lake Harriet as well. And then the other is at, at my home. And the grief process, um, this will be for when we belly up, you know, another time as well. But the grief process of how. Um, people in our lives interacted mm-hmm. with us mm-hmm. and the different kind. And, and I won't go into it now, but I, 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 I found five different styles. And there's ones that really land sometimes, but then yep. there's the also the people that, you know, process their own shit when they tell <laughs> Yes. You, and you have to carry that, too. And you're like, oh, I'm actually oh, not in God. that space today. No, please and, don't. Yeah. yeah. No, please don't. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, but the grief of it and the and the um, the processing. And so, interestingly enough, when I lost Sophia, we lost my uncle a few months later, uh, Boundary Waters yeah. uh, man, um, to Alzheimer's. And that's when my sister went into her career of being a death doula. Because God she st- bless her soul. Seriously, seriously. Because she started realizing why are like I just watched two incredible people pass. Yeah. She came to the hospital and held Sophia. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. 
fucking, I think about COVID and I'm like, I had my doula, I had my partner, yeah. my mom stopped by. I, I didn't invite her, but that's okay. <laughs> she came by anyway. Um, my friend Stacy brought me dinner. My friend Carrie brought me smoothies. A chiropractor came, an acupuncturist yeah. came. I had a freaking had a community totally. supporting me. And now there's people, Emily, right now doing this in this time of COVID. Talk about making me angry. And you can't. Yeah. You, can, you, can, you can only have maybe possibly your partner yeah. and maybe a birth doula, yeah. you know, if they're certified or death doula. So the fact that my sister um, chose to take, you know, this step in her life to talk about normalizing grief. Yes. And, and thinking about, you know, cultures from thousands and thousands of years, granted our lifespan was, what, 35, how they celebrated death. Yeah. And Or did it differently. Like yeah. not— that's what's also so different about this is like with someone who lived a long life or a baby, even a even a baby who died, you have a funeral and you have a like a memorial and mm-hmm. you do all these things. But did you? Because it was COVID, we didn't do. I mean, we <gasps> my my dad and my stepmom planted a garden and they have her garden in the backyard mm-hmm. and. We have her urn, and my brother-in-law made us this beautiful wooden box for her yeah. to be in. And yeah. we did small things like that, but it wasn't – it was, like – it was months before I even saw – before I, like, hugged my mom and dad after this because of the time that we were in. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, you can't, like, grieve in isolation, like, grieving during COVID. And so many people have experienced that in very different ways, too. But it's – yeah, you're not meant to grieve alone. It's awful. It's – I would not – one star. I would not recommend it. No. <laughs> not good. No like. No, <laughs> no thank you. Likey. Yeah. And 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 I had a million celebrations. Yeah. You know, good. So, yeah. And every year. Do you do you think about those days or will you with Bodhi? Yeah. So we I mean the I think this past year has been hard in different ways. Um so her guest date was August tenth of twenty twenty and I was like very newly pregnant. And so it was just hard. It was just like I'm excited and anxious because maybe this baby will stay around, but also I'm still so sad that I should be welcoming a baby into this world right now. And then March 20th, his death day, birthday, like that terminology is hard too. But um, that was nine days before I gave birth. So (laughs) I thought for sure I had this recurring dream like throughout my entire pregnancy with Bodhi that – that he was born the night that she died. And, like, they would be passing in the universe together in some way (sighs) and get to meet each other. And it was just this, like, very comforting dream. It wasn't a scary thing that I would wake up from or, like, a recurring nightmare, but they would just kind of pass in the universe. And so when March 20th came and went, I felt, like, a little bit let down because I was like, no, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be born on the 20th. But then, sure enough, he still came in March. Um, I was wrong. <laughs> no, but I did text you a picture of the inside of my underwear, and I was like, did my water break? And you were like, yes. <laughs> yes, it did. Okay, just to tell you, I'm not a medical provider. <laughs> I am not allowed to give medical advice. But as your doula, that looks like amniotic fluid. I was like, I smelled it. It's not pee. Which had, also how many times in my happen. career have I seen? <laughs> oh, Emily, your journey of your story that 
has a word abortion is not what you, what I heard you say, ever imagined. Yeah. And as we look to make change in this country, I want to thank you for sharing your story so that people can truly understand that it's not a word that can identify with one box. And it wasn't a one-night stand, shit-faced, cake, have fun doing that, that a lot of people think that you were irresponsible. I know you are not irresponsible, and I know that you will take your story, and I know you will continue to make change. And I am so deeply sorry that your daughter sacrificed her life. But that's how I look at Sophia constantly. I feel like she sacrificed her life to teach me and to teach others. And if, if there is anything that can come good out of our two daughters, may their energy up in heaven as they... You can cling your sippy cups or something, girls. Yeah, please do. Don't please do. Run around. Do something fun. Do something super fun. But cartwheels, maybe. Don't do liquor for at least. No, not. I mean, Sophia's not till the next decade, please. Yeah, so she could gotta wait at least ten years. <laughs> um, they are playing, and my prayer is that they cheer us on, and that they um, know that I, I do. I believe that the that the sacrifice that those souls made will make a difference, and come hell or high water. When our children, when Bodhi's partner, when Meta is possibly ever faced with this, mm-hmm. may they have a whole nother language or experience and not have to fight for what is right in their body. Right. Yeah. I yes. love you so much. I love you. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Here's to our children and to each and every one of you out there, I, I know I can speak for Emily when I say if you have questions, if you have comments, we do want to hear from you. If you have a story that resonates, please share it with us. We are an open community. And Emily, the way that we end belly up, because we got to leave the bar, it's closing time. <laughs> we take a breath and... We feel the earth beneath us, and we feel our angels all around us. And at the end of our podcast on Belly Up, we remember that we were born. And no matter what your choice is when you bellied up to the bar, whether it was a martini or a non-hazy beer, I'm doing a vodka soda, whatever your choice is, whatever your choice is in life, may you make that choice with intuition May you make it with knowing that there are not, there's not judgment or there's, there's no right or wrong way unless you are doing it to make someone else happy. <laughs> no, this is your one precious, beautiful life and you were born for a reason. Have a beautiful, awesome rest of your day wherever you are bellying up. Emily will be back because I know you're going to say, more please. (laughs) All right, you guys. Until next time, lots of love. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Here's Bodhi bellying up to a boob. Belly Up is a Bluma production. It's produced by the one and only Michaela Finnegan at Minnehaha Recording Company. 
Hi, this is Mary from Bluma. Thank you so much for being part of the Bluma community. We're so happy you're here. We love hearing from our families, and as a small business, one of the most powerful things you can do is share your stories with us. I love when you take us on Instagram, leave a Google review, or email me your birth story or photos from class. This is a great way that we can share the Bluma love and reach new folks who could use a little Bluma in their lives. Find us at Bluma.com.